Hello and welcome to a new English edition of my podcast Helium Talk, das Kunstgespräch. My name is Jörg Heikhaus and my guest today is Jonathan Levine from the Jonathan Levine Projects in New Jersey. Firstly, a very happy new year to you all. I hope you all had a great start into the new decade and I also hope that we can continue to build this wonderful relationship between us while so that you can continue to listen and support my podcast and spread the word so it can grow and be something that I want to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, well, wouldn't that be great? Okay, I had a pretty good start into 2020. Christmas was super relaxed with the family in my second home at the farm in the solitude of cowboy land up north. And right after New Year's, I sat down and finally started to write my book. I finished chapter one in no time. I really got into a flow there and it felt very good to write down the initial part of, well, the first 20 pages of what will become the story of Alex Diamond, a high quality art book with all the artwork images and stuff of the last 15 years. But I decided to write the text myself in an autobiographic style. There are just so many stories and anecdotes to tell that I feel this makes most sense. The book shall be out before summer, at least that is the plan now, and it will be published by the Gutberg Naga Verlag here in Hamburg. Alright, so this is the very first podcast in 2020. It was also the first I recorded in 2020. I was doing this while I was in the farmhouse. It has been a while since the last English language helium talk and it also has been a while since I last spoke with my friend Jonathan Levine. Late in 2018 we started to record a loose series of shows where we talk among friends and with no boundaries about the business and that is what we call these episodes Off the Record. Now we on the record or off the record? This is, this is off the record. This is all off the record. This is number eight of our conversations, and I must apologize because I couldn't save all of it. Something went wrong during recording, even though we saw each other very well on the monitor, the connection was really strong and the red recording button was on all the time. After a bit over one hour, we lost contact and had to go back on several times. This is usually not a big problem, nothing I couldn't fix in post-production. However, this time, my recording was lost after about 40 minutes without any sign of it during our talk while Jonathan's was complete, which is weird, me being the host and all, but hey, no complaint, I'm still amazed what is possible in modern communication these days. But so this episode is cut short, and it ends with an angrier Jonathan, and if you listen closely, you can feel that I'm not even there anymore during the last four minutes or so. We both decided that we will publish it anyway even though we are rambling a bit more in the beginning and I may sound a little bit unfocused in some places. And I know that we have lost great content and especially the more productive-oriented part of the podcast at the end. But we'll make up for this in our next show when we want to talk about potential solutions to an otherwise pretty fucked up art business. Yes, I know there is some brutality and some bitterness in our talk and not everyone will like what we have to say. But honesty and our unfiltered personal opinions are the foundation of these talks and it is all based on more than two decades in the business, investing money in the seven figures into shows and artists, so of course we take the liberty to speak our minds in public. Remember, these special shows with Jonathan are called Off the Record for a reason. 
Shall we get on the record now? In order to be more productive and indulgent and accommodating, we want to make the next episode about new models that could be working. Actually, that was what we began to discuss when we were cut off this time. We also want to tackle the very, very delicate topic of the share system between galleries and artists today. You know it is 50-50, but is that still fair today or should that change? Do we need a model like in the music or literature industry where most artists are being paid based on actual revenue? Should agents or agencies replace galleries? Well, here we really do want to hear your opinion. Please, please write to me at hello at heliumtalk.com with ideas and suggestions you have and that we can include in our discussion next time. Pretty long intro today, but a very short podcast of roughly 40 minutes afterwards. So I felt it in order to prepare you for what is coming. I hope you don't mind and please enjoy the 64th episode of the Helium Talk podcast with Jonathan Levine. What is the focus of this particular? Well, I think basically we did not speak in a longer time. We did these first seven podcasts, and now let me let me read something to you. I usually get a lot of mails for our podcast here. This is this is girl, this artist Carmen Rosa from Gloria, an artist. So, and she just says, "I want to thank you guys both for such an insightful podcast. It's really helped paint a realistic picture of how the art world works, and I feel I'm learning a lot from this podcast." I love that you guys tell it like it is and don't sugarcoat things. And basically that's what, you know, sort of we could talk about. Okay. Sugarcoat 2019, but also talk about 2019, how things were. Sure, you know. Time. I mean, you just had an exhibition with Dylan Egan? I did. I had, New York? A, I had an exhibition with Dylan Egan back in New York. Um, by the way, I just want to start the whole this whole podcast off and just say Happy New Year to everyone. <laughs> Because it's New Year now, right? Yeah, no, I know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna post it pretty quickly too. So, so, um, yeah, we did an exhibition. Uh, oh gosh, it was the end of November, and it was up for four, just four days, and it was a pop-up exhibition, in kind of a cool space in the Lower East Side, and uh, it was a beautiful show. And uh, Dylan, it was kind of there was artworks that he made, but he also it was supposed to be half gallery show, half pop-up store, because he made all these sort of um, items like patches, stickers, buttons. He had prints, um, scarves, uh, <laughs> metal pins. Like he's really into his, the idea of his art, you know, him being kind of a lifestyle brand and also about consumerism and, and buying mm -hmm. things. And so... So that was fun. It was a good turnout, a good response, and uh, it was a fun show. He had a car there too, or so. Oh, that's right. He made that car. That was a custom car. Yeah, he had this car. I'm trying to think of what kind of car it was. I'm so not particularly good about good about these things. Actually, I've driven in that car. <laughs> um, it's I don't know. It's a '40s or '30s or '40s, but it was this custom car that he made because he he he's really into like um, automotive stuff and. <clears throat> He's got a bunch of cars. He's got a lot of motorcycles. Um, 
He's really into vintage type stuff. Um, he's got a crazy, he's, he just collects so much crazy stuff. And that's kind of also what a lot of his work is about. Like he's got this, you go to his house and he just happens to be a very good friend of mine. And he's got like this amazing like motorcycle helmet collection that are all like um, all different versions of like this sort of famous American flag mm -hmm. um, helmets of like the seventies, um, early seventies, late sixties, I think. You know, uh, but he's just got all sorts of interesting things like that, um, and he knows a lot about. Well, he his his he's his he has a job, you know. He doesn't really make a living full time as an art as a, working as a fine artist. Um, he has a job as a prop stylist, and okay. he's considered, I think, one of the best in the industry. So what he does is, if you ever see a photo for, like, say, some high end brand, say Louis Vuitton or. I don't know, Rolex or, you know, like these sort of luxury brands. If you see an advertisement like a in a magazine, he sort of creates that. He he doesn't photograph it, but he makes it, and then mm -hmm. they photograph it. And uh, so a lot of his work, he knows a lot about these sort of luxury brands and their history. And so a lot of his work is oftentimes about that in some way. He's commenting on um, – sort of, you know, social issues, but also he's kind of referencing sort of mythologies and stories and things about these sort of products. Like, I mean, I didn't know this, but uh, like Louis Vuitton, you know, the, I think that company's been around since, again, I'm no expert on this, at least the 1700s, and it was just a guy who made suitcases mm -hmm. um, that that brand came out of. And then um, I'm not even sure if I'm going to say this right. Hermes, which is spelled H-E-R-E. Mm -hmm. Hermes. Yes. I mean, they're kind of well known for like scarves and stuff, mm -hmm. but they started as um, making equestrian um, okay. like saddles and things like that. Yeah. <clears throat> so like he knows a lot about that stuff. It's really interesting. And he knows like how like, you'd be like, well, Dylan, when was the zipper invented in when was the button invented? He's really into military stuff. He and I went to Japan actually once together and we ran around and he was looking for like specific stuff that you could only find in Japan. Anyway, he's a really interesting guy. He's into collecting interesting things and his work is sort of about that. Um, and how, how did it, you know, sort of come that you do this exhibition? Uh, basically what happened was he really wanted to do this. And like now I'm not really doing regular programming. I've had some mm -hmm. online exhibitions and he said, well, I've already got this place rented. I'm doing this show, mm -hmm. you know, will you, you know, partner with me and help me market and promote it. So that's what I did. Mm -hmm. okay. So I didn't have as much responsibility as I typically do, which was nice and took a <laughs> lot of pressure off me. And it was just, a, it was something fun that we both did together and mm -hmm. had a good time. So, That's basically how it happened. It was a very casual. It wasn't something that we spent all this time planning. I mean, he he spent a lot of time planning it, but yeah, that, sure. that was kind of how that came together. I can tell you about the exhibition that we just had in Hamburg uh, towards the end of, of the year. Um, 
the exhibition with the longest exhibition title ever. <laughs> I think it was the first achievement to, you know, sort of irritate some people with that. One of the artists actually hates it so much. <laughs> But I think that's like a little bit the result, you know. What the, was the, the title? The title was... Um, I bought my wife a painting for Christmas, but all she really wanted were jewels and pearls. <laughs> so this is not anti-feminist or against women or whatever. This is, could also mean, say, husband in it, you know, but it's just then the title would have gotten even longer. Yeah. It was just <clears throat> when Mevin and I sat together and decided to do another exhibition last year and open it in December when everybody's doing Christmas shows. You know, every, and we've also done that years ago, but whenever there was still a market for Christmas shows too, you know, if you did a show before Christmas, there was, you know, good sales, small works, you know, presents were basically exhibitions doing with presents. And that is also part of the market that doesn't exist anymore. Um, it's not like you say, oh, it's uh, it's the season for, for presents. Let's do uh, an exhibition where we have just small works that people can actually buy as presents. Right. So it's playing with, with all these things. Right. And it also, of course, plays with the fact that <clears throat> Around that time of the year, not everything thing that you see as a present is being seen by others as a present or right. as a gift and so on. And um, and it was just you know sort of, I mean, if you if you if you plan a group show not around a specific theme, you know, that every artist follows and every artist creates artwork uh, to, mm -hmm. then the title is actually group show with several artists who we like, <laughs> you know, that would be the proper title because there's no title. And we've came, we've come up with, with, uh, with, we've done a lot of uh, more group shows recent in the last two years than we've done before, basically because I changed the concept and don't really have, you know, sort of that many artists that I represent. So not so many solo shows also because solo exhibitions are very, very difficult. Um, and unsatisfying for, both the artist and the gallerist. Why do you feel that way? Um, I think you have to have, now you have to have a, there's, I mean, we're also, you know, of course, part of the problem doing more group shows. Um, I think we've talked about this before. I think when you do group shows, um, it makes it a little bit easier to attract, to get more attraction because you don't, put people on the spot for just this one person. When you do a solo exhibition, uh, it's a lot of work that I want to put in there to help and promote the artist. And uh, and I only personally have time for very few artists. To do well, it's way. basically what you're talking about is risk. Yeah. Is that what I, if I'm, mm -hmm. I just, you know, Yeah, it's, it's risk, but it's also fairness. In my, my, in my terms, it's, I'm not doing 20 group shows a year. I'm doing two and one solo exhibition. Right. That's it. Right. So in that respect, if I'm doing three exhibitions, um, it is very hard. I could do more. I could say, Hey, artist X, uh, yeah, I like your work. Let's do a solo exhibition, but I don't want to spend that much time on it as I usually should spend on a solo exhibition. So that's not my understanding of being a responsible gallerist. Right. It's just be to, you know, have a name in the gallery and his work in the gallery. And so, I, so I'm going to be devil's advocate, but, but risk is of course a point. So do you, do you find that, uh, Since our last conversation, when did we speak last? Was it in the spring? Has it been that no, long? No, no, it was later. It was, um, but I mean, it's it's been a few. I think it was been two two and a half months. I mean, th throughout the year. I mean, what is your feeling? You know, as we started this conversation a year ago, mm -hmm. um, has the market is 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 everything exactly the way it was? a year ago or has it moved in a certain direction and, or do you have a clearer 
thought about it based on, I don't know, what you're seeing, what other people are saying, et cetera, et cetera. Besides the fact that your your own experiences, let's just take that out of the equation. Is you know, if you you looking as an outsider, mm-hmm. you know, at the market and artists and other galleries, blah, blah, blah. What do you think? I think it's still hard to to fully understand what what actually works and what doesn't. I still think that the market is very unstable. There's no no guarantee. I see that there are some things working with some artists. So there's this reduction that we've basically been talking about also back to that there's not that much attention much attention for a million artists, but there's a lot of attention on like a hundred. Um, that makes it easier, maybe. But I, 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 I still have a huge problem with figuring out why. I mean, <clears throat> the market is still still very very difficult, and I have, I have this year. I couldn't even. I mean, I made good art sales, um, but I'm doing very little. But when I look around at other galleries, uh, they do terrible sales or they do sometimes they do decent sales and then they have these one or two things where they do good sales. But being galleries and being probably still clinging to like an older model of gallery where you have these many artists and where you have these many shows and where you put much into it, you, they're probably not ready to to change and just say, okay, we just have these three artists that really work. Um, and we're going to focus on them or whatever. I don't know. I, I'm really, I don't know. I, I, I still can't really answer that. I'm, I'm, I'm still a bit torn because there are things that, that seems still to work a little bit, but there's also this everybody, there's so many exhibitions still, and there's so many artists. And I mean, you see large, good galleries that do, you know, sort of coming back to what I said earlier, doing group shows towards the end of the year where they have not six artists, but a hundred and everyone is there with one painting and they're trying to find out which of these artists might work. And yeah, in a way, basically, mate, that's no, I know, you know, it's, <laughs> it's in a, in a weird way. Like I, and I don't know if I said this in the past and I, and I always try to be really transparent, you know, I'm still mm-hmm. struggling with this all myself and so I don't have like this super positive outlook on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm happy to not be now. And I don't know if I've said this publicly before, but I'm happy not to be part of that grind anymore and all that uncertainty mm-hmm. that went off for so long because it's a hard way to live. And it's really disappointing when you're running a space and all the different things that are at play. Um, that you don't have any control over and, you know, to be, you know, just constantly being disappointed on like you have a great one great show after another with amazing, beautiful art and it's not selling. And in the meantime, while it's not selling, you're losing money, you're creating debt, you're creating these sort of things. It's like, um, you're disappointed for yourself. You're disappointed for the artists. You know, you're just, it's, it's, it's really disheartening. Um, but I think for the gallery, I think for the gallery, gallery people running galleries, it kind of sucks. But I'm not so a hundred percent sure, and I've probably gone over this before, that it sucks for 
artists. Maybe some it does, some it doesn't. I mean, certainly it seems to me that a lot of artists started uh, with a lot of artists have less options with galleries and they're also not going to just go to any old gallery. If they don't say have me to work with, they're not going to just mm -hmm. go bounce to whatever because because um, the market's changed and maybe they don't feel like they need it or maybe they don't feel it's good for them or um, they need stability. So I see a lot of people doing more commercial type stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe the artists who were really successful aren't not making as much money now, but other a lot of artists who weren't successful at all are maybe doing better now. So because they – because of, you know, Instagram basically, um, internet more people are seeing artists work than they ever have before. More artists are probably selling their work than they ever have mm -hmm. before. So it's hard, you know, it's, I'd be curious to, I mean, when you speak to artists, what do they say? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely huge benefits for artists these days. Um, and, uh, just to get your name out, but, but what I see at the end and what I also hear from most artists that I'm, that I'm close to and working with that, Instagram is not the way to sell the work. Instagram is a work to promote it. And then the goal is still to show in a gallery because that's at the end of the day where people come to buy work, you know? So that's, that's, there's like, there's, I hear there's a lot from artists that, ah, yeah, galleries are not needed anymore. It's Instagram and our oh, galleries, the old model is dead and, 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 and they will not survive anymore. And then in the end of the day, but you know, end of the year, I showed this so great, right? I post like, 500 times over the internet at that point or at another gallery or whatever. And then it's like, okay, but just basically it's a denying what you said before. And you said, I don't need a gallery, but I want a gallery. Well, that's right. And, but, but I think the, the main thing that has changed is that the, the tie to the gallery is not as closely knit as it was. Well, you know what? They don't want a gallery. You know what they want? They want an exhibition Yeah. to promote and market themselves. Mm -hmm. And for anyone running a gallery, if that's what you're all you're getting from artists, which is what a lot of us were getting, all we were getting, we were getting less and less from artists. You can't, the business won't sustain. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, I hate that, you know, my personal feeling is, and I probably said this before, you know, unknowingly, unwillingly, artists themselves killed that market, you know, so that's just the way it is. And, and that's, I don't really know how that's going to change seems to me like it's just going to have to cycle through and it's hard to say what the future brings um well i mean I've, i'm i'm i think that's it's also a question where as an artist in your where you stand in your career and and what are your options you know i mean uh, the the most of the artists i mean that uh, that showing galleries like helium cowboy or like similar galleries they they are either stable and solid in their careers and of course their experiences changes because they've been there so long. And then, then, you know, sort of the market drops, they drop as well a little bit, but they're still well known and they, you know, so may go the, 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 the commercial way at some points and say, okay, let's, you know, let's, let's do some other things than just the pure art. Um, but they have a good name and a good reputation. And, and so they're still kind of, you know, still galleries like to work with them. And there's a lot of other gallery artists that are kind of really, you know, sort of, getting there and are well known and are probably a little well, bit younger the thing pretty, pretty good is, with the whole social media thing and they are 
you know, sort of still at a at a level where it's hard to understand how to make a living with that. But then there's also another c- group of artists, and and a few of them I actually work with. But one of them, I especially I wanted, I'm going to talk to in one of the next podcasts. It's the artist Jody Kerwick from Australia, and he's making a lot of fuss around himself for himself. Um, you know, sort of he has good galleries that he's showing with. His prices have been sort of gone crazy over the year that I've been working with him, not saying that I have clients in Hamburg for his work, but there are clients for his work who are willing to pay, you know, I don't know, almost twice as much as they were, you know, sort of the works were last year. So, and he, and he has good galleries and, you know, sort of galleries that are, will be, and we will probably soon if everything goes right, he will be at a gallery that's, you know, one of the top 500, you know, soon. And so there's still that market as well. Um, I, I still believe the, the 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 main problem is what we've been talking from the beginning. There's if there's too much exposure and if there's too much, you know, sort of uh, visibility and there's too much there's too much oversaturation, then it starts to get really difficult to see any differences. And I think that's that's a point and that's where I think it's it's good for the art. It's a good t- it's a better time for artists now than it was probably 10, 15, 20 years ago. But it's yeah, uh, I, that's but what it's, I w- it's worse in terms of they have so much competition now and you know yeah but i guess at the end of the day i think it's probably better for artists as a whole but it's it makes it more competitive which is fine now which as you know it's more fair it's more democratic mm-hmm. but in terms of for a gallery to, to run a gallery it's um it's um, uh, virtually impossible um, or, you know, you could, you may be like, I can, I can look at galleries right now. I know a few galleries that are doing pretty well, mm-hmm. but I already know that it's not going to last because there's a cycle of things yeah. and having gone through it myself many times, um, continually having to reinvent myself because the minute two things happen, the minute an artist starts to do really well. They'll be with the gallery for a while, but they're always looking for something better. Sure. And they have all these options. And it's really hard to lock artists down uh, exclusively these days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was one of the big issues I had in my own business. Like, I'd have artists that I work with that were great, and we'd be doing really well, but then I would never get any other work outside the exhibitions. And mm-hmm. they would give it to this person and that person, other galleries, and, you know, the cost yeah. to run my gallery cost a lot more to run the other gallery. I mean, you just, for the kind of investment you put into it, you need a lot more back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or you have a gal artist who just shows with you every so often because they're bouncing around all over the place, or they're doing really well and they jump to a bigger gallery. And it's really hard to, you know, lock people down so that your business is stable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what will happen is, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of a gallery in particular and I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it's a gallery I really like and <laughs> they um, have a really great program, but I'm kind of like, just based on my experience of these things, it's like, how long is that going to last before two things happen? A, the artists that they're doing really way, well with get pulled from them mm-hmm. or B, uh, the, secondly, the artists are doing really well with people get tired of the work and stop selling as well. Um. And, you know, unless you sort of have 
a lot of resources to keep control overall of your artists and such. And what I mean by resources, I mean a lot of money. Yeah. And stuff where, and people money where you can, you can give the artist a stipend. None of mm-hmm. us, we don't, we didn't give artists stipends. We didn't pay artists, um, in advance. I mean, occasionally I would a little bit cause I could with an artist who's like, I really, really need a little bit of money to help me get through this. And it'd be like artists I knew I was going to do well with. Um, but we had to put up so much money to begin with and in advance. And every time you know, you're running this business and every time you do a show, it's a risk and you think you're going to do well. You hope you're going to do well. You don't know what, oftentimes you don't know what you're going to get. It's just this blind risk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so sometimes you end up with a great show, it does great. Sometimes you end up with a great show, it doesn't do great. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you end up with a really bad body of work, still does good. Oftentimes you end up with a bad body of work and it doesn't do well. And you had no say in any of it. The expectation was that you were just supposed to be there to support that person. And so this is not really, there's no, there's not a lot of other businesses that would function in this way. It, but it worked for us for a while. It really did. That was the beauty of it. It was really pure. And it actually worked for a while because it could work because you didn't have a million other channels for people to go through, i.e. the internet. Like people had to go through – they had X amount of channels to look at. And your gallery would be a channel. My gallery would be a channel. Other galleries like ours would be a channel. So where was I going with this? I'm going on one of my tangents. <laughs> I was making a point. I, I just don't think – I think the only – at the end of the day, the only way – really way it works long term yeah. is if you have a lot of money. And that was always the joke. To be a good gallerist, you have to – you have to you don't, you don't have to start with a lot of money. Like you can't – or you have to at some point turn it into something that's not about – aesthetics it's mm-hmm. got to be about finances it's got to be like let's just choose sure. and work with only the artists that we know make money well i couldn't do that because a lot of the artists that make money i don't like mm-hmm. and you know i just didn't want to I, I wasn't very good at like strong arming people yeah. um making i was too I, it's just the way i am i was too giving and understanding and that's why people liked me but mm-hmm. at, the, at the end of the day it didn't yeah it didn't work it wasn't to my advantage uh but it's what i, I it's how i ran my business but i was able to do it for a very mm-hmm. long time um yeah but, but i think when, jonathan the thing that you and i probably both have in common i mean we're we're yes we do have a good business understanding otherwise we wouldn't do these uh, run these operations for such a long time but we are not approaching an artist with a strategic concept. And that's also what some other galleries do. They say, okay, I have this artist and this kind of work works. So they go to this artist and say, I need 10 more of these in orange, in green, and in blue. And then a lot of the art, and he says, and then I'm going to sell them. And a lot of artists say, you get these in these colors that you just mentioned. But that was never my understanding of art. No, and it has got no. nothing to do that I'm an artist myself. Exactly. It's just not why I did it, why I was doing the gallery thing. I was doing it because there was talent coming to me that I could believe in. And yes, yeah, sometimes this talent <clears throat> does something unexpected that you don't like anymore, you know, or don't like particularly. And then it's something you can talk about. 
And yes, of course, if it's a big exhibition, if it's a solo exhibition, you can say, okay, let's, you know, sort of probably not work with these one or two paintings. But if you insist, you're the artist, you know? So, and that is other gallerists go more strategic. And that's, that's if that's a financial standpoint. I mean, honestly, if I had to go back and if I, if I knew everything I knew now, I would have, I would have done it differently. Although mm -hmm. I did it the same way for years and it worked. Um, yeah, we did this in a time when it worked. Yeah, I did it when, when it worked, but and it was not just about artists and galleries, but also about the people buying. And now this is also the the, the client group is 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 different, diff, more difficult. It would. I, I would say the frustrating thing from all for me for all this, and hopefully this is something that's changing. And artists that were part of that system understand how much risk we were taking for them, and at the time. Most of the artists I work with, not all of them, were doing really well. So it was kind of like they were walked on water and they're like, anything I make, people want. And that was true. Mm -hmm. Although sometimes they would make bad work. Artists will always, successful artists will always make bad work. Sure. Everybody makes bad work. Mm -hmm. You don't make good work without making bad work. Sure. Or maybe the work got boring or blah, blah, blah. But you but you were always expected to support them in that. And when – and I would – I remember I was trying to – you know, with certain people, I was like – I tried really hard to sort of give them feedback. And, and, and I had artists that I had bad shows with and I continued to show them. Like I never said to them, hey, it would sort of be after the fact. And I'd be like, you know, that didn't really work. And sometimes – but I was like, and I supported you in that. And sometimes they would be like, yeah, you're right, because I got enough feedback. And then occasionally they would just be pissed off at me. And I'm like, you're angry at me. I just lost a stupid amount of money, and I supported you in this. Yeah. That's not right. Um, so, you know, I think maybe people in, will realize now, because we were all in a we were all in a different situation and the world was different. And so again, I, I, I can go on about this. I think about this stuff too much to be honest with you, but it's, it, you know, as I try to like sort of figure out how to move forward in a way, mm -hmm. um, you know, what work, what's how am I going to function within this market? And I, I mean, I have an idea about that to be honest with you at this point, but I will not function in the market like I did before. Never again. So no, I don't think there's there's the need to go to a bed, but but what of course what, what people see is that there are a lot of there are still a lot of galleries and still a lot of galleries opening. Um, it always looks very beautiful. That's what we do. We're in the beautiful business. We're not in the ugly shit business. Yeah, I don't. You know what? Um, I, I mean, and, there's less there's less galleries. Uh, mm -hmm. There's less artists showing. Mm -hmm. there, you know, you could just tell when artists are constantly. You, you, the state of the market is very obvious when our artists are constantly doing more commercial work, when they're mm -hmm. constantly putting out their own prints, when they're when holidays come, they're doing sales. Mm -hmm. They're constantly doing sales mm -hmm. and marketing themselves in a really commercial way, and everybody's doing it. Yeah, it's obvious. That's what you do when things aren't so good. Um, that's just the reality of it. And of course, the gallery is. Personally, I think there's less galleries to look at. I think there's less interesting work. Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot of the same thing, and I think it's 
complete completely smoke and mirrors um yeah, but that's what i meant this it's yeah. uh it's the the impression uh, um that that i get for example i i don't know why but it's uh, i don't know it's been it's been an, a tough but it's been an okay year for me but i've also gained a, a bunch of new collectors but maybe through the through the different approach of having this place which is a, a studio again and where we have a bar that looks like a western saloon and we're in, do, doing the podcasts it's also i think pretty helpful to establish new contacts and and there's a lot of people um that i that i've met over the course of the last year especially at when we had the shows and when when i was there meeting with them that they don't they they just see this and say this is but this is great you're working in this great business and oh hey, look here you know the work costs five thousand euros ten thousand euros blah 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 and oh here the whole wall of victor castillo man that's like if you sell this it's like well, i don't know what fifteen thousand euros all the drawings they're beautiful and not very expensive but i said there's nobody out everybody thinks it's beautiful but there's not enough people out there who just go beyond beautiful and say okay oh, i'll buy yeah, this no. You know, yeah, no, it's they were cool... just—they were just not of the understanding that that the market is bad because there's so many beautiful pictures to look at everywhere, and we have even in the small city of Hamburg, we have great galleries that do big shows. I mean, my friends from the Affenfaust Gallery—they have this huge supermarket place that they're actually making shows in for the last what two and a half, three years, uh, and the, just before Christmas, they they had they opened at the same night that we did. So I took my two Danish artists, uh, Rune Christensen and, and Rasmus Rinhag, after our exhibition closed over to that gallery because they also had a show, they had a double header opening. And one of the artists is a good friend of mine, uh, Elmar Lause. And uh, so I said, okay, just, let's go over there um, and have some drinks there. And this space is huge and they put a lot of effort in creating a, a wonderful show with two artists. And there's so much time in there. You just, you just if, if you come from the oppression, just, such as you and me, you go in there and you see wow, fuck, how many hours have these two guys basically run the gallery put into these shows? And everybody thinks, wow, that's a great show. And also with my place, they say it's a great show. But sales everywhere do not justify the amount of hours that we put in there. Well, I mean, you got you to get paid. So, like, at the end of the day, like, you're working. People don't realize, like, what we do for a living. And I can speak about this for myself. And I had, you know, my year was okay. Um and I mean, I worked and, you know, my business is really streamlined now um, and I'm making the majority of my money doing secondary market. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy to not be in the grind. I mean, anymore. I mean, I'm really proud of my legacy, but, you know, I'm happy to not be in that grind anymore. Be, yeah. <laughs> and um, where was I going with this? Um, I we should just, get paid for what we do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Basically, people don't realize it's like, you know, you know, you know, my mother's always worried about me, right? She's like, how you doing? You know, and uh, I'm like, I'm fine. And she's like, she, you know, even though she kind of gets it, she doesn't get it. Well, did you go to work? Are you working? You know, it's like, and I, or like, I, I was like my, um, I had band practice yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. And we, we, we decided to have band practice in the middle of the afternoon, which is never anything we do, but because my bandmate works for, he actually works for Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. Um, and he had days off and he's like, well, let's just practice in the afternoon. And I'm like, yeah, I'm flexible. And, uh, and my other bandmates also like self-employed. And so he was flexible, but then all of a sudden I realized, oh crap, I have all this stuff to do. And one of my big, and I, so I was like, can we push it back an hour? And they're like, no, we really can't. But my whole thing is like, I can work and not get paid. Like, mm -hmm. Other people go to work, they work, they get a paycheck. I could work for a month and not get paid. You know, I could put out all this money 
that's that's the that's the gallery model and you don't get paid so you're working and not getting paid you could work and lose money on top of that so you know that's uh that's challenging I don't know where I was going with that, uh, but that's the business. Like you know, it's like well, your point is like people see this and they all think it's really great. So you have a, I've had hundreds of beautiful shows up that didn't sell. I don't know hundreds, but a lot. And everyone's like, "That was such a great show! What a great opening!" Blah blah blah. Aren't you so happy? And I'm like, "No, I'm completely depressed. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills this month um, because." I jumped all this resources and I worked so hard promoting and marketing, getting this hype and this press and blah, blah, blah. And enough didn't sell. And I have to pay all this stuff out. And all of a sudden it's just like this horrible stress nightmare situation. Mm-hmm. When it's going really well, it's great. You're like, man, this is awesome. So that's yeah. the business. You have to ride that cycle cycle and like, I don't know. That's not a way for me to, I don't want to work that way anymore. So, um, and I mean, it's like that for artists too, you know, not to like, you know, artists, they spend all year working on their show, doing the best that they can, doing their best body of work, whatever. And they put it out there and, you know, they need to get paid. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's nobody's fault. It's the risk everyone takes. It's like, so, but basically, if you know to to avoid this risk, and if this doesn't work, I mean, do we need a completely different model for for the art world? Do we need um, artists to take on some kind of form of where they get regularly paid to be able to do proper mark uh, proper work? Um, so, well, that's not going to happen. That's no, I know it's not going to happen. <laughs> but I mean, is you know what's 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 well, the future per- for all this? Personally, I think that, it, you know, I think about this. I And one of the things I think that I always had a frustration with and one of the reasons why I'm not in the market because I, the way, you know, artists communicate and participate with each other is they – and the way the galleries is like, well, these are the standards we're supposed to follow. Mm-hmm. But they're blanket standards and they don't work. Mm-hmm. And so for me as a gallerist, like if someone was like, hey, I want you to – I had a group of artists that like, we want you to represent, open another gallery and represent us and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, you're going to have to give me a lot more because what you gave me before wasn't enough. You may feel like it was, but it wasn't. I.e., you need to give me work outside of shows so I can make money off your shows. If I'm gonna, if you're going to make the show that you want mm-hmm. and do exactly what you want, you know, at, at my peril as well as yours, then you need to give me other stuff to take care of that. And also – you know, they need to be, give more to the gallery. They also need to be satisfied. That's another story with what they're getting, be realistic about what they're getting. And also if they're working with other galleries, if the classic example, I had a New York gallery, there's an LA gallery, which is my counterpart. My LA gallery did not as have many employees. The overhead wasn't as much, blah, blah, blah. But the artist would give them the exact same thing as they gave me. Mm-hmm. And I'd actually get them more press, publicity, blah, blah, blah. So that was not fair to me, and I would never participate in that again. And no matter how many times... So you shared, you shared the artist, basically. I, I would exper- explain that. Mm-hmm. And the gallerist didn't care. Artists didn't care most of the time. People weren't going to change that. And that was really unfair to us. And I, because I did not have enough money and enough pool, mm-hmm. I couldn't keep them. And... 
So like, you know, at the end of the day, the artists participating in the market, they have to really care about the gallery. And at the end of the day, my experience is they don't. My experience is that they're always, and they're good people. Not, not all of them are like this, but they're always looking for some other opportunity. And that's just the way it is. And so if that's going to be the way it is, you can't, this is what I'm saying. You can't, there's unrealistic expectation of what this gallery is supposed to be. Like, think about, if you're an artist, think about running a gallery and what that's going to be. Or, because I think mostly artists probably listen to this podcast. And, like, they want to have this ideal and they'll talk amongst themselves. Well, the gallery's supposed to do this and the gallery's supposed to do that. Where's, where's this miraculous money supposed to come from? Why is there this idea that somebody out there is supposed to support you making your dreams? <laughs> Right, so this is where we got cut off, or at least I was, and there is no use in just continuing with only Jonathan's part. I ran right into the aggressiveness of a song by Jonathan's fantastic band Cyclone Static for a bit here. It just felt right. So please remember to send me your ideas and suggestions for a new model for the relationship between artists and galleries, or other thoughts you have for a new art market. We really love to hear them for our next episode. The email is hello at heliumtalk.com. Please enjoy the early days of 2020. Thank you for listening. Be good until the next time and, surprise, surprise, I managed to save a tiny bit of the end of our conversation apart that without it, you might feel this episode of our show is incomplete. So, Jonathan, thanks for being here. And thanks as always, I would like to say Happy New Year and choose. losing each other <laughs> i was just i was just kicked out of my own podcast yeah.